Good afternoon and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today I have a few things to say. First of all, I apologize for my voice. Uh, January in Michigan is not the germ-free paradise that some of you might hope it would be. Uh, And so I seem to have caught a little bug from my darling daughters in their first week back at school. Um, But we're going to press on and make do. I think I can make it through this video okay, but you're going to have to uh, listen to me with a slightly deeper, more rough and gruffly voice. Um, But I think it's worth it because today had a a very large piece of news that I think is well worth discussing. So I think we will click over to that tab right now, and it's called Our Destiny, which is a blog post from developer Bungie about their separation from Activision. Uh, So for those of you that don't know, the Bungie Destiny project has been published by Activision uh, and really under a contract that was originally entered into in 2010, which we're going to get into uh, to some depth because unlike most video game development contracts, which are held under lock and key and confidentiality and attorney-client privilege, this particular contract, at least its initial iteration, uh, was made non-confidential by the fact that it was incorporated into court pleadings and discovery in a case involving some Activision workers that went off to form their own studio, uh, the uh, the Respawn crew, after uh, the, they left Infinity Ward, uh, the Call of Duty studio for, for Activision. And so that contract was made public to everyone, and so we can talk about it. We can talk about what this split means under those contract terms. We can talk about... Uh, what it's very likely is going to happen from from now for at least the next couple years for Bungie, uh, with the caveat that that contract that we're going to discuss has undoubtedly been amended and revised and amended and restated and revised again uh, over the last nine years. Uh, That's just the way these things work. So we're going to talk about the past, uh, but in a way that I think is reflective of what's likely to happen in the future and, and hopefully will be useful to those of you that are watching with me. So Let's take a look first at what Bungie has to say about what happened today. When we first launched our partnership with Activision in 2010, the gaming industry was in a pretty different place. As an independent studio setting out to build a brand new experience, we wanted a partner willing to take a big leap of faith with us. We had a vision for Destiny that we believed in, but to launch a game of that magnitude, we needed the support of an established publishing partner. And again, if you remember the background here is that Bungie had separated from Microsoft, who had been their partner throughout the Halo project, and Destiny was something new. It still is something new, really. It's a shared world shooter that really needed to have a lot of back-end support added to it. It really needed to have the server architecture concepted out. It was very helpful to them, I think, to work with a big company that had all of this infrastructure, had all this capital. And that's what they're saying in the first sentence of this post. With Activision, we created something special. To date, Destiny has delivered a combination of over 50 million games and expansions to players all around the world. More importantly, we've also witnessed a remarkable community. Tens of millions of Guardians Strong rise up and embrace Destiny to play together, to make and share memories, and even to do truly great things that reach far beyond the game we share to deliver a positive impact on people's everyday lives. We've enjoyed a successful eight-year run and would like to thank Activision for their partnership on Destiny. Looking ahead, we're excited to announce plans for Activision to transfer publishing rights for Destiny to Bungie. With our remarkable Destiny community, we are ready to publish on our own, while Activision will increase their focus on owned IP projects, i.e. their own stuff. 
The plan transition process is already underway in its early stages. And when we look at the contract here, we're going to see why plan transition process is a good use of phrase. There's a lot of stuff to unwind, as there always is with a commercial relationship. And there's a lot of things to consider as the IP moves from Activision to Bungie. And Bungie takes over all of this back office support, all of this infrastructural support that Activision was previously handling for them. And it's going to be... It's going to be a transition, and certainly they're going to they're going to make some mistakes, and they're going to learn some things just in doing that transition. Uh, but they think it's worth it because they want to go their own way, and undoubtedly, this is a kind of creative differences type separation. It's very amicable as written here, and one of the things I tell folks online or I tell my clients is that this is the way you want to make these commercial separations. There's no real reason to burn bridges. There's no reason to bring emotionality into it. This is a very positive kind of message. It says we've done great things with Activision. We're very thankful for them to be partners with us, but obviously we're separating. This is a this is a divorce of a kind, uh, and it could have been easy to write something that talked about negativity that talked about the differences of opinion of direction that Bungie has with Activision that undoubtedly exists as they do with any two entities or people but instead they're focusing on the positive and that they're moving forward with Forsaken we've learned and listened and leaned into what we believe our players want from a great destiny experience rest assured there is more of that on the way we'll continue to deliver on the existing destiny roadmap and we're looking forward to releasing more seasonal experiences in the coming months, as well as surprising our community with some exciting announcements about what lies beyond. And so there, if you're in the business of reading between the lines, you can say, okay, they, they specifically point out Forsaken, and certainly that's the most temporally adjacent to this notice, so that's one reason that you might reference Forsaken. But also, if you've been following the Destiny journey, you know that Forsaken was kind of a, a callback, a move back towards uh, the original Destiny and kind of framework, the way loot works, the way drops work, the way advancement works in its kind of uh, esoteric ephemera, much more so than I think Destiny 2 was. Uh, and, and no more is that more apparent, I think, than if you look at like the covers of, of Destiny 2 versus Destiny 1 or Forsaken or Taken King. Destiny 2 was clearly a marketing push, and whether that's driven by Bungie or Activision is just speculation, but it's certainly something that Activision has done with its properties on its own. A marketing push to really make things look a little bit more like a Call of Duty, a little bit more four quadrants. This is attractive to everybody. It's not space wizards fighting with giant sunbeams and everything else. It's, it's, it's three folks in armor fighting, fighting something that is comprehensible. And I think... Forsaken was a move away from that, that Destiny 2 didn't work for a lot of the hardcore fans of Destiny, and it looks to me, reading between the lines, that Bungie wants to uh, go back in that direction, wants to continue down the Forsaken path, and that might have been a reason why they were having uh, disagreements with Activision that led to a separation like this, or it might just be the case that after nine years, uh, you want to move on to different things. Uh, we'll look at the term of the contract in just a second, but it was really only ever planned to be about a 10-year agreement, even though the term of that contract goes essentially infinitely, uh, which is something that I don't think I saw reported on very often, but in actually digging into the language, it really didn't end until certain deliveries were made, and it wasn't limited to that 10-year scope. So they give a thank you at the end. Thank you so much for your continued support. Our success is owed in no small part to the incredible community of players who have graced our worlds with light and life. We know self-publishing won't be easy. There's still much for us to learn as we grow as an independent global studio, but we see unbounded opportunities and potential in Destiny. We know that new adventures await us all on new worlds filled with mystery, adventure, and hope. 
We hope you'll join us there. See you starside, Bungie. And I think, at least from what I've seen online in terms of how this message has been received, uh, it's one of of great joy uh, on my Twitter feed, on the internet at large, that I've seen. Now, some of that, I do think, is a knee-jerk reaction to what giant publishers mean, what the Activisions and Sonys and Microsofts and Electronic Arts of the world mean to the video game industry. I think it's very easy to vilify them, to make villains of these... Uh, mustache-twirling executives that have the big bags of money and tell people things they can't do rather than things they can. And to some extent, I I think Activision, like any person, like any entity, like any group of people, has made mistakes with Destiny, has made mistakes in their own games, Uh, just like Bungie will make mistakes uh, doing things on their own. That said, I do think with the shift from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2, I do think you could see... Uh, a difference in opinion as to what the future of Destiny looked like. Uh, And so I do stand with the folks that say this is probably for the best. This is the best way to achieve whatever the platonic ideal of a Destiny game is. It's probably living in kind of the idiosyncratic, independent-minded, bungee development house rather than uh, the folks that are publishers at Activision. Um, And so I, I think... This is a good news type moment, but I don't think it's good news solely because Activision is demonic or is evil or are the villains of this piece. Just that, like in so many relationships, sometimes it's time to separate and it does appear that now's a pretty good time. Uh, But with that being said, uh, it's worth noting that this comes at a very tumultuous time for Activision in general. Uh, So if you haven't been following the game industry news, Activision has lost uh, its own CFO, it lost the Blizzard CFO, it hadn't replaced an executive that had left its, uh, its head offices uh, since last year, and only yesterday did it come out how they were going to replace their executives, how things were going to look in their headquarters. Uh, as Variety says here, continuing a month-long string of internal shuffling, Activision Blizzard Wednesday announced new presidents for Activision and King, which is one of their mobile divisions, very profitable one. The company also announced a new head for the company's emerging businesses, uh, which is their uh, their investment arm that looks and finds uh, new ways to make money, uh, new ways to uh, either publish games or develop games or particularly fancy uh, independent developers that they want to buy up. That's That's emerging businesses. The move comes following two high-profile departures from the company, earlier this month. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of good detail here. I will link this article in the description to this video. But suffice it to say, in January 2019, and really even before then, Activision Blizzard is going through a tremendous amount of transformation. Uh, and it is something that those of you that are industry watchers and industry business watchers in particular are, are going to want to keep a close eye on uh, because there is something afoot here. And certainly Activision losing Bungie and losing Destiny, regardless of whose uh, decision it was, and we're going to talk about the way the current contract is structured or the way the current contract as of 2010 was structured to suggest that Activision basically had to accede to this in some respect. Uh, No matter which side of the coin decided on this separation, it means that Activision Blizzard is going to look even more different than it might otherwise have in 2019 and 2020 and beyond. And if you really break down what Activision is currently bringing to the table in terms of major, major video game titles, 
we're almost down to Call of Duty at this point. Um, and that's an interesting thing to think about because they are one of the biggest players in uh, the video game industry. And Call of Duty certainly is one of the biggest games. Uh, but you never want to have all of your eggs in one basket or even in a couple baskets. So it will be very interesting to see what exactly emerging businesses Activision moves into, what exactly they do in terms of spending the money that they're making, the capital that they have to diversify their portfolio, to broaden their horizons. I think that's going to be a very interesting story in 2019 and beyond. And certainly this bungee separation is only one part of it. Um, so with that all in mind, I think what makes sense now is to take a look a little bit uh, at the law involved. And in this case, the law of contracts, which as it so happens is what I do for a living. I have seen my share of video game contracts and video game publisher contracts and publishing contracts and independent consulting software development agreements and the like. Uh, and so this is a this is a kind of interesting one in so far as it's a multi-product contract entered into with what is uh, a pretty known commodity at this point in time. Bungie had already made the Halo games, uh, and before that, they had been developing games, uh, the Marathon series, uh, Oni, uh, and a number of other things, uh, myth, that had put them on the map. And so this contract, after Bungie's separation from Microsoft, basically assumes that they're going to do good work, uh, which is interesting because a lot of the contracts that I work with are with smaller developers uh, and have either more draconian terms or, or more terms that are much more directly milestone specific uh, that really mandate that the publisher kind of sits in on everything and make sure everything is going okay. Which isn't to say I'm sure that Activision wasn't involved at basically every step of the proceedings and they had contacts with them probably every day. Uh, just that Bungie had developed a certain amount of cachet in the industry and so was able to negotiate with the leverage that they had a contract that basically said, hey, okay, we know what we're doing, uh, provided we get you something that is a, a AAA game experience, I think is one of the phrases that they use in this contract, then you're going to pay us money and, and we're going to deliver that for you and, and you're going to get your royalties and everybody's going to be a winner. Obviously, this contract wasn't held uh, wasn't held to throughout the entirety of the term. It contemplated that four Destiny games would be released by 2020. Obviously, that isn't the case. Uh, and so, like anything where you're involved in a creative endeavor, especially software development, you have to be willing to amend these things. You have to be willing to be flexible. Everybody's in this to make money. Uh, and so, both publisher and developer have every incentive to be rowing the boat in the same direction. Uh, so, and so, while we look at this, uh, that's with the notion that this would have been amended for the fact that Destiny 2 came out in 2018 uh, or, or 2017 and not Destiny 4 in 2019 and things of that nature. So undoubtedly there have been things around the edges of this contract that have been negotiated, that have been amended since things changed, since things got slowed down in the process of developing Destiny. But this is still a useful framework for how the parties envisioned their relationship circa 2010. And certainly strands of this likely continued up until uh, today, or if if not today, whenever the, the agreement winds up being terminated. So let's take a look at, at some of these terms. So an important reminder when we look at these things, when we look at the contract in general, 
Activision is called Activision. Uh, these parentheticals that you see in the first recital paragraph establish definitions. So Activision Publishing, Inc., the parenthetical in quotes Activision means that anytime you see the word Activision, uh, it's going to mean Activision Publishing, Inc. And in a similar way, Bungie LLC is called either Licensor or Bungie. It's generally called Licensor, so that's why I'm bringing it up here. Uh, and it's just important when we look at the sentences to remember Bungie is Licensor, Activision is Activision. Uh, so we look at... Let me scroll the right document here. We look at products, and here you see products means a series of interactive entertainment software products being developed by Licensor based on the Destiny property planned to be massively multiplayer style sci-fi action shooter games. Collectively, Destiny 1, Destiny 2, Destiny 3, Destiny 4, uh, and major downloadable content expansions, which they call Comets. Comet 1, Comet 2, Comet 3, Comet 4. So that is Taken King and Forsaken. So if we're thinking about what they've actually delivered right now, they've delivered Destiny game number 1, Destiny game number 2, Comet number 1, and Comet number 2, as well as certain DLC releases. That is your uh, House of Wolves and Dark Below and things of that nature that they delivered as well. So right now, as it stands, if this contract were in effect exactly as we see it this moment, Bungie has delivered through Comet number two, which is important when we look at some of the other terms in this agreement. So you'll see the plan was for delivery of this to go through 2020. In fact, Destiny 1 was supposed to be 2013, then 2 in 2015, 3 in 2017, 4 in 2019, and then the final Comet in 2020. So depending on how you're doing this math here, they're at least one or two or three years behind the schedule that had been planned there. And I remember when I saw this contract being analyzed uh, by the video game media at the time that the uh, Call of Duty suit wound up publicizing this, a lot of the focus was on the fact that it was a 10-year arrangement. Uh, but as we're going to see in just a second, uh, it isn't really a 10-year plan, but it's actually an indefinite plan based on the release of these things. Um, so it talks about platforms. You got some interesting descriptions of the Xbox 360, the Xbox 720. This actually happens a lot in publisher contracts. Uh, the, the term that I see a lot when you're talking about consoles is essentially just a capitalized next Xbox, next PlayStation, and then a definition that goes uh, as essentially the successor to whatever the current uh, console iteration is, if that's what you're aimed at. And so that's what I like to use in my contracts. That's what I've seen most often. But I do like the defined term Xbox 720 because I, I think it's funny. Um, here, so we get to 4.1. And so this is the term of the contract. This is how long it's going to last. This is how long these folks are, are wedded to each other, how long they have to work with each other under the terms of this contract. The commencement date of the development term is April 16th, 2010. And note that that's a defined term, the capital D, capital T development term, because that's going to affect the rest of the agreement. It starts on April 16th, 2010, and it shall continue until licensor's delivery to Activision of the release to certification version, the final version, of comet number four. So just on the terms of this agreement alone, this is supposed to go through delivery of the fourth expansion, the, the expansion to Destiny 4. Obviously, we're not there yet. We're essentially two main games and two expansions behind that. So this is being cut off earlier than its natural endpoint when they talk about separating from Activision today. Um, talking about how the, how the agreement is structured, uh, so we have a grant of rights here. And again, we talked about how much leverage Bungie had before they entered into this, Bungie being a known player. In 5.1 and 
they establish that Activision gets the right to publish and distribute the thing. They get the right to uh, make copies, digital copies, uh, physical copies. They get to sell those copies. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, when we get to uh, 5.4, you see here, Licensor shall have the exclusive right to develop all products, including any conversions. This right includes Licensor's sole discretion to define the creative and technical scope for all products and conversions, subject to mutual approvals of the parties here too, to the final project scope, budget development plan, and production schedule. So Activision gets to kind of say, hey, you, you guys can't make a, a $600 million game. But outside of that, Activision basically hands over the keys to the car, says, we'll pay for it, but you guys get to determine what this thing is, how it's made, everything else. So when we talk about the conversations that would have been had internally, it's important to remember that because of this leverage, which is great for Bungie, this is probably not the way Activision is regularly doing business with the folks that it's contracting with. This is not a normal term to see in a publishing contract to just say, you guys get to decide on everything except for certain stuff that we get to talk about on kind of the whole scope of the thing. Uh, it's generally a much more hands-on process with publishers, and so that could have been adding to its own friction. You know, if Activision wants to move Destiny 2 and say, hey, you got to scrap all your inventory, we want to restart this thing, we want helmetless folks on the cover looking like Call of Duty people, we want it to be straightforward action, and Bungie says, yeah, okay, well, there were certain things that didn't work in Destiny 1, so we're going to go that direction but we don't want to do X, Y, and Z, and we want to put Forsaken, and we want to move it this direction. You can see that this is the kind of thing where friction can develop. Now, if everybody's making money, usually it's okay. But if everybody's not making money, or if everybody's not quite making as much money as they think they should, especially if they think the other party's decision-making got in the way of making all the money they think they should, you can see that's the kind of start for a, a fractious relationship. And I think that might be part of what happened here. Looking on a little bit further, we talk about intellectual property ownership. And this is one of those interesting parts again. So depending on the contract, the third party that's making a game for a publisher may or may not retain the intellectual property rights. A lot of the time, the publisher's putting all this money in. They want to have the intellectual property rights when the contract ends so that they can make a derivative work or they can get another contract party to come on and make the money off this intellectual property they've developed. But here... You see in 6.2, subject to the licenses granted to Activision in Section 5, which again, those are just the licenses that Activision needs to publish and distribute the thing. They can't, they can't do that without those licenses. Uh, and uh, the loss of licenses that might happen if the original Destiny project didn't happen, which we see in 6.3 and 6.4, licensor, Bungie, shall retain all rights, title, and interest in and to the Destiny property and the products and conversions, including all source and object code, game assets, technology, engines, packaging, and marketing materials, character settings, storylines, etc., relating thereto now existing or hereafter created by licensor, Activision, Activision's people, sub-licensees, or any third party. So anything related to Destiny at the conclusion, uh, as this thing goes along, is owned by is owned by Bungie. Uh, now, Bungie licensed it over to Activision so that Activision can sell it, but the actual intellectual property, if we're imagining it as a, as a basket of sticks or something physical, it's over at Bungie's hands, and it's just allowing Activision to use it on its behalf. And that's very interesting, and that's what makes a separation like we see today uh, work. It's a little bit simpler to say, well, if we, if we stop all of this, Bungie gets the intellectual property that they need to go forward with the Destiny project, and Activision just walks away. So, so 
that's ultimately what's going to happen here. Now, we'll see later on Activision has certain rights and royalties and certain obligations for a period of time after the contract ends. But for the most part, Bungie can just separate from Activision entirely and, and go forward with Destiny in a way that's very clean for them. And so this was, again, a, an example of the leverage that they had in 2010, but also some good lawyering and some good negotiation on their behalf. Uh, talking a little bit about what this contract does so we can talk about what it is that Activision does and what, what, what they won't be doing for Bungie after uh, the, ter the termination of this contract and for a period of a couple years after, Licensor, Bungie, basically agreed to make a game. Uh, their responsibilities are develop the products to AAA status or equivalent. This is one of those funny things that happens a lot in video game contracts. There's a lot of terms that as lawyers we like to define to be quantifiable, uh, but they're terms of art in different industries. So you hear, you see here you've just got AAA status as a non-defined term that everybody is just supposed to understand what it means, and everybody kind of does. Uh, it means you know a high-end, high-budget, highly marketable action shooter game thing. Uh, but uh, the lawyer in me looks at this and says, ah, you know, I wonder if you don't want to put a little bit more detail on that. Obviously, it didn't matter for this relationship, uh, but it is an interesting part of video game contracts because you can get into areas of drafting where you think everybody understands what you're talking about. But if you don't write it down on paper, uh, bad things can happen five years down the line if everybody didn't understand what you were talking about. I see that a lot with uh, descriptions of what vertical slice, alpha, and beta are uh, because those are very nebulous terms that different purely re reasonable, rational folks uh, can differ as to their meaning. Um, so they, say, they basically say, we're going to make a game. We're going to hire the people to make a game. We're going to make the video, visual and audio assets to make a game. Uh, and then we're going to deliver to you a game. Um, so that's, that's what Bungie has to do. Here's what Activision has to do. Again, in broad strokes, and I do recommend you can read this. I will link to uh, the LA Times actually published this because of its connection to uh, Southern California area. Uh, I will link to this contract location in the description of this video. But here's what Activision does. Uh, in connection with development of the products, Activision shall provide developer with development production support in a manner that is customary for other AAA caliber interactive entertainment software products published by Activision. We will treat you as one of our own and we will give you development production support as if you were working for us directly. We will assign a dedicated production staff, including a senior level producer to oversee development and who will make periodic visits to your facilities to review your progress and to walk through detailed production schedules. Now, that's that's kind of for Bungie. That's kind of for Activision because Activision wants to have a person over there checking up on them to make sure that their money isn't being burned in a hole. Activision will be responsible for providing customer support for the products in a manner customary for other AAA caliber interactive software entertainment products published by Activision. Again, the notion here is we're going to treat you as if you weren't separate, that you were just an Activision studio. You're going to get all the benefits of being a purely Activision studio. Activision will publish the products customary uh, by Activision. Activision will distribute the products customary by Activision. They will develop and execute marketing plans and programs in a manner that is customary for Activision. They will develop public relations plans and programs in a manner customary to Activision. They will abide by art and style Bible and subject matter experts as mutually agreed by licensor and Activision when creating marketing materials. So we'll, we'll get some notions of what is normal marketing type things for these games and we will work together. We won't just claim it for our own uh, and we'll not... Uh, will not mess with things in a way that you won't be happy with. Again, these obligations are much more trying to assuage concerns that Bungie might have 
over entering into an agreement with Activision of this type. You're going to get all the benefits of an Activision studio. We're going to use style guides. We're going to do a great job for you. Activision will handle billing and coordination for billing through first parties or other third-party service providers related to the products. Uh, if during the development term Activision has or can obtain at commercially reasonable rates a license to some source code management tool software, it will extend that license to cover all necessary seats for you guys. So if we wind up getting this cool thing for source code management over at Activision, well, you're going to get it too because as far as we're concerned, you're an Activision studio for purposes of Destiny. Uh, same thing with the other licenses for their other middleware uh, software projects or anything else that they use to make video games. We're going to make sure you you get seats there. We're going to take care of you that way. These are all things that are going to have to be replaced by Bungie now to the extent they were relying on them in performing their services for their company. These are all these are all holes that are going to have to be filled in as they separate, as they sever ties with Activision as part of this process, which is one of the reasons you saw in that Bungie blog that they say, okay, we've, we've just started the process. We've, we've agreed essentially in principle that we're going to end this thing. And now we've got to unwind because Activision was doing all this stuff for them. Uh, Activision will provide licensor with 500 copies of each product release. Uh, you'll get these things for, for giving away to folks, uh, 300 for promotional items, uh, two copies to each licensor employee, uh, which is, uh, I think, standard Activision protocol. You get a few copies of the game you made. Um, and the following items will be managed by and be the responsibility of licensor. So Bungie's going to handle this, but subject to prior review and approval of Activision, uh, which such approval shall not be unreasonably withheld. Uh, so Bungie's going to do this stuff. Activision uh, is obligated to slash gets the right to kind of sit in. So when you're doing... QA and testing, localization, ESRB submissions. You're going to act as an independent studio, but we're going to help you out with that. We're going to follow, we're going to watch what you're doing. We're going to make sure you're doing it in a way that we like as Activision. So this is kind of one of those combo type rights obligations that Activision has to get things through Microsoft certification, to get things through Sony certification. And so you can see when you talk about one of these contracts, there really is a kind of uh, connection between publisher and developer, especially one like this, where Bungie is a fully separate studio, uh, but is depending on Activision to to help them out with certain things, uh, certainly related to publishing, certainly related to distribution and selling of their product, uh, and getting them through cert and things like that. Uh, let's see here. So that's the primary obligations that Activision has. And then we start getting into some interesting stuff. Um, I don't know that any of this is really pertinent here when you have uh, what amounts to both parties agreeing to separate, uh, but you can see here just for your own personal uh, edification the kind of protections that Activision's going through. So Section 8 talks about the development team, development review, and exclusivity non-competes, and this is Activision in 2010 is looking to put a big bu bunch of money into Bungie and says, okay... The people that are most important to this endeavor, you need to make sure that they don't leave. You need to make sure when we put this money in, they're not going to just cash out and leave or go on to greener pastures because as much as we love Bungie, Bungie is the people. And so we need to make sure you've got them entered into new agreements. We've got to make sure that if they have equity in the company, it's subject to vesting in ways that we like, that they could lose it if they go away too early. And on that last point, we see one of the, the major key sledgehammer type provisions that they had in this agreement that says in the event a key member leaves the employment of licensor or such key members employment with licensor is terminated for any reason prior to the initial commercial release of Destiny game number two, or as we know it, Destiny 2. All of such key members' unvested equity ownership, if any, in licensor shall be placed in escrow. They'll lose it. 
And unless otherwise approved by Activision, such equity ownership may be released from escrow and utilized by licensor only for the purpose of attracting and or promoting talent as a replacement for the key member. So you see here, the first time we see as a timing component, the release of Destiny 2 was important to Activision. They wanted the contract to at least get through Destiny 2 before a lot of things happened with key members, before a lot of the team was lost. And so sitting here after what we know under the contract terms as comment number two, we are over the hump of the main concern that Activision had for losing money or, or being uh, the, the wrong end of a contract here. So when we talk about Bungie leaving Activision, when we talk about Activision potentially leaving Bungie, it's important to note that in the kind of tenor of the agreement, this is a relative safe zone. It's a relative gray area. They had contemplated things would go through 2020. They wanted to make sure at least two Destiny main titles got out uh, before the real uh, penalties happen. Uh, so since we've crossed that threshold, we're in a place where maybe this is okay for everybody involved. Looking a little bit further, there is some important stuff here in particular. There's some stuff on Halo Reach, which is funny. And you see some references here to a marathon project that Bungie was thinking about working on at least in 2010. Uh, I don't know what the situation there with their plans are. But you see here in 8.4, during the development term, Licensor agrees that it shall not engage in any development activities on any other Destiny property-related product not covered here under. So you're not going to do anything outside of the bounds of this contract related to Destiny. That's the main overall, what we would call an umbrella non-competition provision. Then you get to B, at the end of the development term. So if we assume that this contract is being terminated as part of this announcement that Bungie made, and I think that's a good assumption, then the development term is ending by nature of the contract ending. So it says, at the end of the development term, licensor may commence development activities or on, on other Destiny property related products not covered under this agreement. They can make a new Destiny, provided that for a period of two years following the development term, it shall not publish or commercially release itself or grant any rights to any other company for the purpose of developing, publishing, or commercially releasing any such other Destiny product, property-related product. So why does this provision exist in the contract at all? So in the perfect world where Destiny 4 and Comet 4 had been released, and this thing naturally ends, Activision's got this product, and they want to make sure Bungie doesn't release Super Destiny 4 five days after the contract ends and eat their lunch in terms of revenues and in terms of the money they should have made through Destiny number four. So this basically says, hey, look, for the most part, these games are releasing every two years. We get a two-year window when the when the development term ends before you can release another Destiny game so that we can recoup our investments, so that we can maximize our profits and our money out of that last Destiny game that you made for us. And that just makes sense. Now, in the situation that we're talking about today, where Bungie is separating from Activision and the agreement is not terminating naturally, but, but essentially by termination of the parties at their request, this provision might well be amended. Uh, what, what happens in a termination like this is you're going to have a notice of termination. That notice of termination can include certain things that maybe you want to change about the way the contract read naturally in the, in the way it existed. And this provision might not survive from 2010 till today. But we're reading it assuming that this was the plan, that there was going to be a window of time that when they separate, Activision was going to make sure that it could recoup its investment. And there's really no reason why that should change just based solely on when the, uh, when the relationship ended. So unless Bungie negotiated for a revision here, and they could have, uh, we can anticipate that there's likely to be a two-year window from essentially now to when another Destiny product would come out, which would mean that there would be a, a, a blackout of sorts 
in terms of major releases, Destiny 3, Comet number 3, uh, in, in the parlance here, uh, for until 2021 at some point in time. Now, we know from the fa- for a fact that the blog says that the stuff that's currently in development is going to continue to be in development under the, the auspices of Bungie. So chances are some of this would have been dealt with. Some of this would have changed from what this language in this contract suggests. So it's anybody's guess there. But I think it is worthwhile to assume that there's going to be at least a small period of time uh, where Bungie is either not going to be allowed to or not going to want to step on Activision's toes after the end of the quote-unquote development term slash termination of the agreement. So that, to me, is interesting uh, when I read through it. When you get to D here, you see that um, until such time as Licensor had delivered Destiny number 2 and made $375 million in total operating income for Activision, they weren't allowed to engage in any development activities on any other interactive entertainment software product at all. And so, again, we see, like we saw with respect to the non-competition and what happens to key employees when they leave, the release of Destiny 2 and its profitability for Activision was a threshold question for them. It is something that they wanted to see achieved, and if it wasn't achieved, uh, they essentially were able to keep the restraints on Bungie a little bit tighter. So once Destiny 2 was released, once it made a certain amount of money, Bungie was already kind of quasi-separated. It was getting a little bit more separation from Activision when that happened, period. And so you can see today, January 10th, 2019, and Bungie's separation from Activision as a kind of continuation of that movement, Um, something that was at least partially anticipated by the way the structure of the contract was written. Um, In 10, we see exactly how this relationship works. Uh, We see that Activision was giving money to Bungie on schedules uh, that uh, was designed to fund all of their development of the Destiny project. These funds were delivered as advances, quote-unquote development advances, uh, that were essentially advances on royalties uh, that they would eventually owe to Bungie under Section 11 based on the uh, revenues and operating income that they received from the sales of the Destiny projects. Uh, and this is a kind of normal setup, especially for large-scale publishing development terms. You give the money up front, and then it's essentially an advanced royalty, and it's owed uh, as the uh, as the publisher makes their money on the, uh, on the back end selling the product. And then once you clear the amount of money that you have uh, uh, that you have spent developing the product, you participate in royalties on rates that are set forth in a table. So everything here is relatively normal, um, and and that's the way these contracts work. Bungie has an obligation to make a game. Activision has an obligation to do certain things on the back end to publish and develop, uh, and uh, they give money to develop the game, and then they owe royalties after the amount of money that they spent developing the game is paid back to them, and and that's that's how these things look now. The, the really pertinent thing here in terms of what actually happened today or near today, depending on the legalities of the announcement and, and what's happening behind the scenes, is all the way down here in section 17, which talks about termination. So a couple things to note here. One, Bungie really doesn't have a right to terminate the agreement. Um, Activision has all the primary rights. Bungie does have a right if Activision goes bankrupt and things like that. Uh, but 17.1 uh, Romanet number one defines the the normal Activision termination rights. So you see Activision shall have the right to terminate this agreement without penalty if after the launch of Destiny game number one, retail sales on a sell-through basis have not reached at least 5 million units during the first six months following commercial release. At any time after the launch of Comet number two, for any reason in Activision's sole discretion. So put a pin in that one because that's where we are right now. 
In the event licensor's Halo Reach game does not commercially release in 2010, if Halo Reach doesn't have <clears throat> at least an 80 Metacritic score, if retail sales of Halo Reach did not reach 6 million during the first six months of commercial release. So you see, in 2010, they were really focused on making sure Reach was a success because a lot of the value that Bungie had was in the notion that they only sold winners. So if Halo Reach just turned into a dumpster fire, Activision wanted at least an escape hatch to say, well, we're not sure we want to be in business with Bungie because they just released this terrible, terrible game. Uh, and so as long as Halo Reach wasn't that, uh, they were okay. But if it was, well, they had their concerns. But the major thing to point out here is that Activision, after the release of Comet Number 2, i.e. Forsaken, has the right to terminate this agreement in its sole discretion. So... We can envision a situation where Activision and Bungie just disagree robustly on what the future of Destiny should be, on what Destiny 3 should be, on whether or not there should be another comment, on how it should be marketed, on any other facet of the Destiny universe. And Activision can pull the plug. They can say, good luck to you, Bungie. We've put in our money. We intended for this to go through about 2020. We're going to end it in 2019. Uh, we're very happy with what you've done for us. Presumably, they will have a press release and statements if they haven't already. And we'll go our separate ways. Um, the other thing to note there is these provisions in contracts are just leverage. So Bungie is a creative service provider. Uh, we don't have slavery in America. So as much as they're required to try to make the games that they set forth under this contract, it could just be the case that they have a meeting with Activision and say, look, we know what our obligations are, and we'll go through with them, but we're not really feeling this relationship anymore, and we think it's going to be a bad product at the end of the day. So if we were you who has the right to terminate, we probably would because we don't think we can deliver you a product. Our heart's not in it. We don't agree with the things that you want to see happen here. And so we recommend that you terminate the agreement. And to be honest with you, if you're a publisher and you're sitting there and you wind up getting a, a communication like that from your developer, you have to take it very seriously. Uh, maybe you try to rectify the situation, maybe you don't. But even though you have the right to terminate, uh, the unilateral right to terminate, it's not really up to you if Bungie ultimately says, hey, we're just we're not happy with how this all is happening. We need to look at a different way for this to go forward. Um, in 17.2... And, and further on in 17, you get a uh, restatement of the intellectual property rights. So should Activision terminate this agreement as it set forth in 17.1 at any time prior to conclusion of the development term, then the distribution term for the product shall, uh, shall automatically cease and all licenses conveyed by the licensor to Activision shall automatically terminate and revert to licensor, provided, however, that Activision shall retain all such rights and licenses as necessary to continue and to publish and distribute those products commercially released by Activision prior to the date of such termination for a period of two years following the date of such termination. So let's pretend that this agreement was signed as terminated today, January 10th, 2019. Activision has the right to continue to service the products on Battle.net, through the back-end support, doing the other things that Activision was doing until this, uh, January 10th, 2021. So again, we see that two-year window uh, being the same kind of window that we saw that Bungie could not make a Destiny product after conclusion of the development term, could not release a Destiny product until two years after the conclusion of the development term, matches up, mirrors the two-year window that Activision gets to uh, continue to sell the games that have already been made for two years uh, after the conclusion of the term of the agreement. And so we see that kind of mirroring. It suggests strongly 
that unless it was changed as part of the amendment process or unless there was some other agreement that was arrived at, a side letter or otherwise, and there very well might have been, this was not the natural conclusion of the agreement. So some things would almost certainly have to be amended and restated as part of a termination of this agreement. There will be at least a window of time where Activision continues to do what it does and Bungie uh, starts to get ready to do what it's planning to do with the future of the Destiny universe. Uh, and that pops up again in section 19 here when we talk about amendments. There was a section at the end of the development agreement, the initial development agreement, that said for future Destiny games, meaning games beyond Comet number four, but certainly with a termination here, it, it really means games beyond Comet number two, that Activision would hold what they call a right of first negotiation, and then they describe that right, which essentially would mean if Destiny wants to, uh, if Bungie wants to make another Destiny game after the conclusion of this agreement, they have to go to Activision first to talk about who's going to publish it. And certainly, since these sides are separating now, and since it's clear that Bungie doesn't really want Activision to publish their game or move forward with any publishing, then it would certainly be the case that this is the kind of provision that would need to get amended, terminated, canceled, uh, or otherwise as part of a termination agreement of the overall document. Uh, so when we talk about what a termination agreement or a side letter would look like as part of this separation, it would include a thorough rundown of the contract in general and what needs to change, what needs to be canceled, what needs to be revised as part of separating of the two entities. Uh, and so it's very possible that the two-year window would be eliminated or changed or revised, but uh, these kinds of things where we talk about future Destiny games would certainly need to be changed or at least thought of by the lawyers on both sides, by the principal business folks on both sides, in order to really think about uh, what made sense going forward for both companies. Uh, and so that's really the contract. Um, and that's really most of what I wanted to talk to you about today in respect of uh, the, the Bungie... Uh, separation. It's it's huge, huge news for the industry. Bungie is one of the major, major players. Uh, Destiny has some of the best moment-to-moment -moment gameplay of the generation. Uh, and regardless of what you think of kind of uh, the meta progression, the grindiness of the game, some of the uh, opacity of the lore, the lack of story in the first one, Destiny has proven to be a, a very strong uh, incentivizer of play for a large number of people, myself included, uh, and I am personally eager to see what Destiny looks like outside the, the bounds of Activision, uh, and that might be something better, it might be something worse, but either way, it'll be something new and something different, and I always find that exciting, and certainly on a day like today where you have these kinds of exciting announcements, you have these kinds of exciting advancements, uh, it's a fun day to be a gamer, it's a fun day to be interested in the business of games and to look into these things with you. Um, so if you like this video, if you like this channel, please do hit like, please do subscribe. I do these things on a very regular basis, regardless of whether I'm sick or I've lost my voice or otherwise, and I do apologize for that. Uh, and I like talking about these things with you. So uh, if you have any comments, if you have any feedback, it is most certainly very much appreciated. And thank you so very much for watching. <laughs>